Praise God. Good morning. Welcome to Genesis 1 Christian Ministries. I'm glad that you are able to join us uh, here today, and I want you today to expect a blessing. As usual, when we go to church, we should always expect to be touched by God, touched by the Lord. So expect a blessing today. Prepare your heart to hear from God and to be touched by Holy Spirit. Amen. But as as usual, before we get started with the message, let us join in praise and worshiping God as we together listen to I Exalt Thee by Terry McAlman. Praise God. What a precious anointing is in this house tonight. And it's all because of Him.
Praise God, praise God. Heavenly Father, Lord God, Jehovah, Elohim, Adonai, Lord God, we just praise your most wondrous name in the name of Jesus Christ. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we're able to gather here like this today to worship you and to praise you and to lift your name up on high, O Lord God, because only you are worthy of our praise and adoration, O Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father God, for the the cross on Calvary. We thank you, Lord, for giving your only begotten Son that we may have life, life eternal, O Lord God. Yes, we do thank you in the name of Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, as we've gathered here today to partake of your word, we ask, O Lord God, that you will continue to be here with us. Commune with us, O Lord, as we partake of your bread here today in the name of Jesus. We ask that you, Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, just simply be amongst us. Lord Jesus, walk amongst us and that we may reach out to touch the very hem of your garment, O Lord. Because, Lord Jesus, you we know in accordance with your word that you said that wherever two or more are gathered in your name, that you are right there in the midst. So, Lord Jesus, we welcome you here with us today. Heavenly Father, I ask that you prepare our hearts and our minds, O Lord God, to receive and to hear and to understand your words here today, O Lord God. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you reach out and touch every single one of us, O Lord God, with thy precious Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray that there shall be a fresh anointing, a special anointing upon everyone within the sound of my voice, O Lord, in the name of Jesus, O Lord. Reach out and touch these, your children. Anoint them. Speak to their hearts. Listen to their hearts, O Lord God, because only you, only you, only you know the needs and the desires for the heart of every single believer every single listener that would be here today in the name of Jesus Christ, this I pray. Heavenly Father, I give this time and this space entirely over to you, O Lord God. Take it where you will for your honor and glory and praise, O Lord, because only you are worthy of our honor and glory and praise. We bless you, we praise you in the matchless name of Jesus. Amen, amen, and amen. Praise God, praise God. God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Amen. Amen. But today I want to start with, I have a question for you. What is going on? What's going on around us in the world today? This country and the world has been hit with this unseen enemy, turned upside down. We're working towards recovering at various paces around the world and here in this country, you know. And all I can say is that as an observer like you, and looking at what is going on, when things hit with such, with such uh, um, up, upending uh, uh, might, if you will, um, as this virus that really hit every single corner of society, it's hitting, it's hitting every part of our society and employment, uh, 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 even mental health and, and issues like that. I mean, it's such a widespread thing. I step back and I ask and I try to reflect on what is happening. You know, what is really going on, you know? Really, do we see such thing enter into our lives with uh, with such a, a huge uh, impact that sort of came out of nowhere, or so it seemed anyway, because it caught everyone uh, unprepared or ill-prepared anyway, you know? So it just makes you wonder what's going on. Sometimes it makes me wonder if we're living in the end times, you know? Stop and think for a minute. Are we living in the end times? When you look and see... Look and see what's going on. Is this a glimpse? Is this a forerunner of things yet to come? Which brings me to the point that this should be a time. This should be a time of reflection for all of us to reflect on what is going on. It's interesting how this virus could be actually progressing 
God's work in several ways, okay? This virus could actually be adding to bringing about the things that God has prophesied and that God has said will be happening, okay? So if you stop and if you think about this for a moment, because of COVID-19, churches closed down. Because churches closed down, most churches have gone to online ministries with their sermons and so on, okay? Because the churches are online now, therefore the spreading of God's word has been expedited across the world, okay? It's been expedited. It's interesting that the word says that Jesus will not return until God's word has covered the whole earth, okay? And for proof of that, let's go to the, to the word of God as usual. Go to the book of, uh, book of Matthew. The book of Matthew 24. Matthew chapter 24. And again, as you're flipping, if those of you do not yet have your Bibles, please hit the pause button for this podcast and run and get your Bibles and come on back and repress play and join back in. Okay, amen. It's more effective here. It's going to church. We can't go to church without our Bibles. Amen. Matthew 24, verse number 10. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold or the love of many shall grow cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. But here's the, the important verse, verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for witness unto all nations. And then, and then, and then shall the end come. Amen. And then shall the end come. So today, by radio, television, the Internet and the printed page, the gospel is being proclaimed around the world. I believe, however, this is the first time in recorded history that the word of God is being spread so quickly to this extent. Amen. Another point for us to consider is due to coronavirus and churches closing and the word increasingly covering the whole earth because of online ministries, people could also become complacent, as Brother Brandon talked on last week. Okay, and not want to return to churches to go into a regular church or building church after they they reopen. Okay, you see, so the word of God is spreading rapidly over the earth. This has to come to pass according to the word of God. Jesus said it won't. The end won't come until this this happens. All right, but this coronavirus could be in a way managing to expedite this process because many people again will not want to go back to the uh, mortar brick and mortar the building churches when they reopen. Then, in turn, now, people not wanting to return to church could result in the falling away that is, that is talked about in the Bible. Okay? People not wanting to return to church could result in the falling away of many from church. And because of this potential falling away from church, another prophecy could be fulfilled. Okay? Go to Second Thessalonians. The book of Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians. Thank you, Jesus. Second Thessalonians, chapter two. Okay, this could lead to the falling away. Now, this is also in uh, 
biblical terms or theological terms, also called the great apostasy. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that you be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither be, neither, sorry, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first. Underline, let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first, and that Son of Man be revealed, the Son of Perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped, so that he so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Okay? So again, the operative scriptures there is verse number three. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there be a falling away first. Okay? Except there be a falling away first. If we wind up growing complacent, again, to borrow from Brother Brandon's terminology, if we continue to grow complacent and become to enjoy worshiping at home and don't return to church, thereby forsaking the gathering together of ourselves, we run the risk of falling away. Okay? All right? If we stop going to church and we forsake, the word of God says, do not forsake the gathering together of yourselves. Well, that's for a reason. Okay? It's part of God's word. It's part of God's will that we should gather together. If we stop doing that, we run the risk then of falling away, which opens other doors. Okay? Which opens other doors that leads to us that leads us to, to, to uh, a less than victorious life, to put it, put it mildly. The falling away is referred to as the great apostasy, as I said before, and it will come to pass, as stated in God's word. It should be noted that this falling away also leads to separating the wheat from the chaff in the body of Christ. Those who truly believe and are true followers of Christ and those who are part-time Christians. All right. So as we get into this mode here of falling away from church and not wanting to go, then all of a sudden the separation starts building up. And the separation is really separating the wheat from the chaff, as the scriptures refer to. All right? And, and, and this is within, separating of the wheat, wheat from the chaff within the body of Christ. The wheat, of course, are those people who truly believe and are true followers of Christ and those who are simply part-time, part-time Christians, as I call them or people who are less committed. So therefore, so therefore, uh, it could be said that the virus is also contributing to the separation of the wheat from the chaff. All right? This could also be adding to the separation of the wheat from the chaff. There are many times in Scripture where pestilence and disease were part of God's plan in fulfilling prophecy. Don't forget that. All right? You know, nothing happens on this planet, in this universe, by accident. God is in control. And God has been known, if you read scripture, to use pestilence and disease throughout the written history of the Bible, as far as we know, as what has been shown to us through the word of God. God has used pestilence and disease before in, in fulfilling his word or prophecy. Okay, so where is this separation that I'm talking about? The wheat and the chaff. Where is this mentioned in the Bible? Let's go to, back to Matthew again. Praise the living God. Matthew chapter 3. 
Praise the living God. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Okay, Matthew chapter 3, and we want to zoom in on verse number 11. Okay. Now this is again, this is following, this is uh, uh, in, in, in following with John the Baptist and where he's, you know, came out of the wilderness and started baptizing people and so forth, okay? And uh, he says here in verse number 11, the word of God says in verse 11, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire, whose fan is in his hand. Verse 12, let's start and read this. Listen to this now. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will, will truly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner. But he will burn up the chaff with an unquenchable fire. But he will burn up the chaff with, unquench- with unquenchable fire. So what this is talking about here, and to describe what this process is about, it's, it's, called, it's called winnowing. And what they did in... Um, in Israel, in back in those days, the, in the, the ancient times, the biblical times, there is that when you when you pulled wheat in from the field and they had it on what was called a threshing floor, and you had this wheat there, and you would bend down, pick up the wheat, and you would throw it up into the air. Okay, and as you threw the wheat up into the air, and the wind blew, or the fan, as it's being referred referred to there, and the wind blew, the lighter part, that garbage part that is not usable, the chaff gets blown away, and the, 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 the media part, so to speak, of the wheat would fall back to the floor. So as you kept doing this through your pile of wheat and whatnot, as the wind blew and as it was fanned, as the scripture says there, the chaff gets blown away and the wheat returned to the floor. Thereby, you are separating the wheat from the chaff. You see, God is always, in varying degrees or another, separating the wheat from the chaff in his church. Okay? God is doing this in varying degrees, separating the wheat from the chaff, which is the body, of, uh, the wheat from the, from the chaff, the, the wheat, of course, being the body of Christ. And separating the wheat from the chaff also in the individual lives of his people, which is you and I. Okay? So well, what I'm saying here is that throughout time, God has been in varying degrees. He's been separating the wheat from the, from the chaff within the church and also from within individuals. It's separating that part of the, of, the, of the wheat that is usable, the wheat grain itself, from the part that is not usable. And that chaff, by the way, just gets burned in the fire. It's not used. Okay? So we see what's happening here is that, that, that Christians are being faced with many choices today. We as Christians, we're, we're being faced with many choices today. And there are always choices, all right? We know that there are always choices. One, for example, is will we serve Jesus or will we seek the riches, quote-unquote, of this world? All right? Will we serve Jesus or are we going to go after the riches, what the world con, uh, con, uh, considers to be uh, riches of the world? Number two, will we faithfully hold on to the truth of God's word or... Will we compromise ourselves with today's culture? Are we more interested in following, in, in, you know, following behind what's in today? What is the rest of the culture saying or doing? Number three, will we live in holiness or will we simply give, away, give way to the decadence and the sinfulness that's going on in the world around us? It's always about choices. Will we look to the world for our hope or... Will we look to Jesus Christ for our hope? 
There's always choices, you see? see. But, but these are the things, are the choices, the questions that we as Christians face today. Right? These questions then, as Christians that, that rise up in our lives, you know, where do we land in terms of the choices? Are we choosing to follow Jesus and do what the Word of God says? Are we, are we, we choosing righteousness? Or are we simply going along with what the world would dictate us to do? As these questions are being answered, a separation within the body of Christ, you and I, within America, is already occurring. This is going on right now, you know. And one could even say that it is as though Jesus is right now in the process of separating the wheat from the chaff within his body, the church, right here in America and throughout the world for that matter. Okay, so if you think about it now, think about it. For many decades, the wheat and the chaff have been able to remain together. This has been going on for a long time, all right? The wheat and the chaff have been, been, been able to, to remain together. There was always differences between the two, but not pronounced differences enough to create any major divisions between them, all right? So if you will, the wheat and the chaff sort of coexisted. All right, and there were differences, yeah, within the church, within the church I'm talking about here. The wheat and the chaff kind of coexisted in the church together because there weren't that, you know, the, the, the differences weren't that pronounced to be any major divisions, okay? However, now, today, the divide between the wheat and the chaff is becoming ever more distinct and obvious. Look around you. Observe what's going on within the body of Christ. Observe and see what's going on within the church of Christ. All right. The divide seems to be becoming more and more distinct and obvious. Those who are really committed to Christ, those who are really committed to living righteously and, and committed to seeing an actual, pure and undefiled move of the Holy Spirit are being gathered by Christ and set apart to do his current day work. Those of us who are really committed to Christ and we're trying to live righteously, you know, and, 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 and we're looking for a pure and, 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 and undefiled move of the Holy Spirit. We have these expectations that Holy Spirit can and does still minister openly today. All right. We're being gathered together by Christ and set apart to do his current day work. Those who are OK, however, with compromise and are willing to follow the latest and greatest trend. You know, those who, who seek what the world is offering, you see, you know, they're going off in a different, they're, they're not so much really committed to God in doing a, a, his righteous work, okay? But they're okay with compromise and willing to follow the latest and greatest trend that's going on in society, you know? You know, who, who seek that, who seek what the world is offering, okay? Those of us who really go after what does the, what is the world offering me, you know? And those within the church, who use the tools and strategies of the world in an attempt to advance the kingdom of God, well, these folks will likewise be gathered, but gathered together unto judgment. You see? There's a separation that's going on here. It's happening. So we see that now, more than ever before, the lines of separation are being drawn. God is purifying his church here in this country, as well as the rest of the world, and he is revealing people's hearts. All right? Right. You, you see in people that are around you and, and or people that you may other other folks are in the news or so forth or whatever is going on in the world. You notice today how people's uh, real intentions, the intents of the hearts are being revealed. 
You may know someone that you said to yourself, well, gee whiz, that person is such a strong Christian. That person this, that person that, oh, what a wonderful person. And now all of a sudden, through, through sometimes an uncanny chain of events in your life and in your relationship, now you're beginning to see a side of that person that maybe you hadn't seen before. Okay? So now, more than ever before, the lines of separation are being drawn. God is indeed purifying his church right here and now. And he's revealing people's hearts. And as God does this, a separating similar to what is seen in Matthew 3.12 is occurring right before our eyes. Okay? Matthew 3.12, where we read about separating of the wheat and the chaff. Similar to that. It's, it's, it's occurring right before our eyes. Again, how many people do you know that you thought were firm, staunch believers in Jesus Christ and followers of Jesus are now demonstrating a different way of life? All of a sudden, they're not, um, they're not okay with the kinds of conversations that you used to have concerning the Word of God and concerning what God is wanting for us as children, as His children in this life. Amen? Let's go back to the Word again. Let's go to Luke, the book of Luke. Book of Luke, Luke chapter 12. There's a separating that's going on, and it's happening right before our very eyes. Luke chapter 12 and verse number, let's start with verse number 1. Luke 12, verse number 1. In the meantime, when they were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trod one upon another, he began to say unto his disciples, first of all, Beware you of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever you have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. Amen. Amen. Verse 2. For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. All right. So we see here that God is letting the true intentions of the hearts of man be made known to us, being shown. And if you stop and think about it and really kind of go back into your memory vaults here and then think about some of the conversations that you've had with others that are around you, some of the people that you've run into over time, uh, some of the personalities on TV that you wind up seeing, some of the things that are being revealed in the news, you know, what is done in darkness shall be revealed by the light. All right. So, so we see here that this separation is indeed happening right before our eyes. The question also is, are we as Christians, are we as the children of God, are we, are we astute enough, are we discerning enough to pick these things up, to see where things are heading? Okay. As I said when I started this message, you know, when things like COVID-19 pop up out of the blue with such, 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 such horrible consequences that this seems to have everybody uh, off guard and we're trying to figure out how to do this, how to do the most basic things. I mean, this is something that, oh man, you know, there is something really going on here with, with, with man struggling like this to return to some quote-unquote sense of normalcy. Amen? So there's a separation that's going. God is indeed at work, at work and God is indeed in charge. God is not finished working in our nation. God is not finished working in this world. But he will not use a compromised church. Rest assured, he will not use a compromised church. So therefore, God is saying, I need to separate out 
the wheat, the chaff from the wheat. I need to separate it out. God does not use the compromise, the sinful, or the egotistical people to display his power or to even conduct a move of his precious Holy Spirit. God will not let his spirit move mightily among people that are compromised or sinful, and most importantly also the egotistical, where people's egos outweigh and supplant the word of God. Believe it or not, saints of God, believe it or not, there are those in the church that are compromising, and yet they still experience quote-unquote success. And I repeat that again, there are those right within the church, the body of Christ, that are indeed compromising, and they seem to experience some sort of quote-unquote success. However, this kind of success that you see them experiencing can only be called success if it is judged by the world's standards. All right? So if you're trying to move within, within the church, within the body of Christ, and you're compromising and so forth, and you're cutting short, and you're not doing what the word of God is saying, that, oh yeah, and then you're, you're using worldly ways to, to, to supposedly get ahead, okay, all right? There is some kind of success that is given that you wind up getting, but this kind of, of success can only be called success if it is judged by the world's standards. See, we don't view success based on the way the world judges success, all right? True success to us as Christians, as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ, true success occurs when Holy Spirit is at work. This is success. When when Holy Spirit is is at work. Not merely when a church's numbers grow or their buildings become bigger. We're looking for for the movement of the Holy Spirit. Is the Holy Spirit present in, in, in our ministries? Is the Holy Spirit present in our lives? Is the Holy Spirit present in our messages, in our sermons? Is the Holy Spirit pre- uh, uh, present in what we are trying to do on a day-to-day uh, basis as children of Christ? It's not measured by the world's standards, you know? I don't know how many times over the years, and I'm sure some of you, uh, uh, especially if you're in ministry and everything, you have heard people say, oh, I, you go to so-and-so church, oh, yeah, 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 oh, yeah, how many people attend? How big is your building? How lush? How lavish is your building? Well, that's not the measurement for us Christians. Okay? Because there are many big buildings out there. There are many large ministries out there. But when you go there, it's dead because the Holy Spirit is not present. Okay? So what is your view of success? What should our view as, ch- as children of God and Christians, what should our view of success be? Okay? Because the Holy Spirit, the reason we want Him present is because the Holy Spirit seeks to move through His church. All right. The Holy Spirit seeks to move through his church. A separation of the wheat and the chaff, however, must take place first. Then to move in an unbridled fashion to bring about the will of God. The separation of the wheat and the chaff must take place first. The interesting thing about separation now, okay, is that it is another word for sanctification. Another word for separation is sanctification, okay? See, I told you that this is not going to be a doom and gloom message. I didn't bring up this subject, or Holy Spirit didn't put this subject on my mind, just to merely, you know, start thinking I was worrying about the end times, and is, you know, is Jesus going to return, and am I ready? You know, this, this is not just a doom and gloom message, okay? Another word for separation is sanctification. And what better analogy or parallel, you know, is there to describe sanctification in the life of a believer than the image of Jesus removing the chaff 
What better image of than Jesus removing the, the, the chaff from our lives? And that chaff is in, is in the form of, of, of the garbage, you know, the useless, the, the worthless things that are in our lives as believers. Right? So Jesus is looking here now, just to kind of recap, recap you know, a little bit here. So, so this separating of the wheat and the chaff, all right, God is doing this within the church. He's also doing it with us individually. He's cutting out, pulling out. All of that garbage in our lives. All of the useless things in our lives that do not glorify him. All of the worthless things in our lives that do not, do not, do not lead to, to, to holiness or righteousness. As God is bringing separation into the church as a whole, as I said, he also seeks to separate the wheat from the chaff in individuals' lives, such as you and I. Many of us have lived with things inside of us that God would deem as chaff. Okay? Many of us. None of us are so holier than thou that there has not been some chaff in your life or may even still be some chaff in your life. But God is in the process of separating that out. We are in a new season, saints of God. We're in a new time here. All right. Something is going on. God just doesn't let things happen by accident. Okay. All right. So, so if God is, is, is in the process here of sanctifying, separating us and, 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 and sanctifying us, okay, what do we do? As individual believers, we must submit to God's process of sanctification. We can't fight it, okay? If there are some, some chaff-like things in our lives, some impurities, don't be holding on to it. Let God take it, you know? Let God take it. There's some area of your life, and, and you know, and you gotta really, you know, think about this and admit to it within your heart of hearts. You know, some of the chaff that may be in your life, you may like having it there. Okay, I mean, as, you know, take to take, you know, if if God viewed strawberry shortcake, and he, if God viewed that as chaff in my life, and he wanted to remove it, okay, then you know, everyone that knows me know I love strawberry shortcake. Okay. So just kind of to use that, you know, uh, if I love that strawberry shortcake that I just want to hold on to it and eat it and God views it as chaff and God wants to take it away. OK, then that's not giving in to God's will. All right. You know, and, you know, and, and see, and if, if you're seeking the face of God and you're seeking Holy Spirit, and you're talking to Lord Jesus, you know, he will tell you what that chaff is in your life. All right. All right. And trust me when I no, don't trust me, trust God when I say this, that. God's intentions for you are always great and wonderful things. So if there's something in your life that God identifies to you as chaff and he wishes to separate it out of you, away from you, then let him have it. Amen. Give it to him speedily. Okay. For your sake and moving forward. All right. Now, this is a necessary process to be prepared for the work of God in our individual lives which will then in turn enable us to be prepared to play the role he calls us to in his body, in his body, the church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Let me read that again. This is necessary. It's a necessary process to be prepared for the work of God in our individual lives, which will then in turn enable us to be prepared to play the role he calls us to in his body, the church. Amen. I I remember, and some of you have heard me speak of this when uh, I was in, I think it was junior high school, and we had uh, uh, arts and crafts type classes and whatnot. I decided to take up sculpturing. And uh, um, in preparing uh, a piece of clay, what you had to do was take that piece of clay, that lump of clay, and 
there was a wire that was suspended between two pieces of wood and you would take that clay and you would slice it put it back together again and slice it and every time you slice it you would find pieces of rock within it or some other hard things in there you would pick that out pull it out put it together and slice it again and as you found more of these quote-unquote impurities within the clay you continue taking it out then you would start shaping it and molding it until that piece of clay was usable for what you wanted to do with it okay until you did that, if you were making, you know, a, a, a vase or some sort of a pot and whatnot, there was a great test that if you did not put the clay through that process of separating out the impurities, then that, that clay would not become the pot that would be worthy or be able to hold whatever you wanted to put in it. Amen. You see, so, so, so as God works on us, shaping us and molding us and separating the wheat from the chaff within us, taking that chaff out, then we cannot be vessels to be used as he would want to use us. All right? So don't fight that chaff removal process. And sometimes, saints of God, that chaff that God may point out to you may need to be removed, may be something you enjoy having. All right? But give in. Give it up. Give it to God so he can use you, prepare you and use you the way he wants to use you. Amen? So again, with reference to Matthew 3.12, which is pertaining to the wheat, separating the wheat and the chaff, okay, um, it's clear that that scripture has applications to the current state of the church right? and God's desire to sanctify his people. Not only sanctifying the church, but sanctifying each one of us individually. Again, the word sanctification means separation. So if God is separating and sanctifying his church, it is in preparation, therefore, for events to come. All right. Again, like I said, when I was making, preparing that clay, you know, I was preparing it with something in mind. I wanted to make a vase or a cup or something that I wanted to do. There was a purpose that I was preparing that clay for. So is God doing with the, with the church, the body of Christ and us as individuals and individually. OK, so again, now, once again, considering the uh, the possible events, you know, step one, coronavirus leads to churches closing. The word covering the whole earth, uh, the word starts covering the earth more because of churches closing and going online with ministries. All right. Then all of a sudden people get so comfortable they don't want to return to church after they reopen, which winds up resulting in this falling away from churches. All right. So it makes you wonder then, are we living in the end times? Because so many things that we're talking about, they kind of kind of seem like they're kind of adding up to something. What is going on? What are we heading to? Okay. Now, again, I have to repeat, this is not a doom and gloom message, but rather a message that will show us what and how to pray as we move forward in time here. But the question is, are we living in the end times? Okay. Well, before we can even get into that, let's first back up and understand what we are talking about when we say end times. All right. What are we talking about? All right. Now, when we speak of the end times today in modern day life here, we're generally referring to the time that is directly preceding the rapture of the church and the seven-year tribulation. Okay. However, Jesus, Jesus referred to the end times in a more comprehensive global way. And what he was talking about was spanning the time between his ascension from the tomb, from his ascension to, to the Father, Okay, and to his return when he will reign in the millennial kingdom. All right. So Jesus, when he's referring to the end times, he's talking about the time that exists from the time that he ascended to the father and 
when he comes back again, when he returns and prepares for his reign in the millennial kingdom. That's where Jesus was coming from when he was talking about the end times. We, in our minds, when we say we're thinking about that, that period of time that directly precedes the rapture, okay, which leads into the seven-year year tribulation, okay? But Jesus is talking about a much more global, comprehensive end times uh, view, all right? So based on this understanding, okay, based on that understanding, Jesus' understanding, then yes, yes, of course, we are living in the end times because we are living in that time between Jesus' resurrection and ascension, which happened some 2,000, uh, what, you know, 2,000 years ago, roughly, and his return. We're in between that time. So based on that and in line with what Jesus was referring to, yes, we are indeed living in the end times. But whether we are living within decades or years or months of the rapture, is of course hard to know. Amen? No one knows that. So let, don't let anyone tell you that, you know, oh, I had a dream last night, you know, or, or um, I opened up a bag of chips and there's a piece of paper inside and this said, this is when Jesus is going to return. You know, don't, don't go for that. And the word of God says, so. let's go to Mark, the book of Mark. Amen. <laughs> I'm being a little silly, of course, when I say opening up a bag of potato chips, but there have been many people over the years within our current contemporary lifetimes that have claimed to know when Jesus was going to return. And some people were foolish enough to follow. Amen. Uh, chapter 13, verse number 32. We're looking at Mark, chapter 13, verse number 32. But of that day, oh, let, let's start up, uh, let's, let's start with 28. Now learn her parable of the pig of the fig tree, when her branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you, in like manner, when you shall see these things come to pass, know that it is nigh, even at the doors. Nigh meaning near. Know that it is near, even at the doors. Verily I say unto you, that this generation shall not pass away till all these things be done. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Take ye heed, take ye heed, watch and pray, for you know not when the time is near. Okay? So while we are indeed living in these end times, we don't know when Jesus is going to actually return. All right. But again, according to Jesus, um, uh, uh, I won't say definition, but to what Jesus spoke of as being the end time, that time between his, his ascension to the father and his future return, that's the end time. So we're living in those times. OK, but we don't know when Jesus is going to actually return. Even he does not know. It's only God, the father. All right. At some point in time, God, the father is going to say, OK, enough. And he's going to turn to Jesus and say, Go get my children, my son. Go get my children. At that time, Jesus will depart to accomplish his mission. All right. We have certainly, we certainly have been seeing signs of the end times since Jesus ascended to heaven. And they have progressively continued to get stronger over time. The signs are there and they, they increase. Jesus prophesied the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem and the signs that would precede his second coming. Earthquakes, famine, pestilence, wars, persecution, etc. Okay? And if we go to Matthew 24, let's turn to Matthew 24. Okay, Matthew 24. 
and starting with verse number 3 24 verse number 3 and as he sat upon the Mount of Olives the disciples came unto him privately saying tell us when shall these things be and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world Jesus answered verse 4 and Jesus answered and said unto them take heed that no man deceive you for many shall come in my name saying I am Christ and shall deceive many and you shall hear of wars and rumors of wars see that you be not troubled for all these things must come to pass but the end is not yet underline but the end is not yet for nations shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom and there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes and in diverse places all these things are the beginning of sorrows underline there please all these things are the beginning of sorrows right so we've seen those things happening over the many many years i mean wars and rumors of wars every place any place on earth just about you can think of there's some sort of a war going on from a, a from a relatively minor skirmish to to big bigger larger wars where people are dying and so forth we've seen that we, we've seen uh, uh the natural disasters the earthquakes that jesus is talking about there and certainly there have been famines and and pestilences and pestilences we've seen that throughout history right there's no sign that these things are ending and perhaps even there are signs that they are increasing. Jesus also warned the disciples that false prophets will lead people astray, that lawlessness will increase, and that people's love for him will grow, grow cold. Let's continue in verse number 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, and you shall be hated, and all uh, hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, because iniquity shall abound, because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, or the love of many shall grow cold. But he that shall endure until the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then shall the end come. Then shall the end come. We certainly know that lawlessness has increased, for sure, all right? And the love for Jesus has gone cold, all right? You can see lawlessness in, in, you know, all around us for crying out loud. I mean, you, you, know, you know, what was once deemed to be right is wrong, you know? You know, you know, what was deemed to be right is now wrong. Okay. And those things that were considered to be wrong or against the law are now becoming right. Okay. People are coming up with ways to permit all sorts of things to be happening where, 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 where most people, the honest citizen is being put, put at risk. So we see that, that lawlessness happening even as we speak. The love for Jesus has grown cold. Okay. They don't want you to talk about Jesus in the world. They're trying to get God, Jesus, Holy Spirit out of every single action that we have in life. You know, I, I've talked many times and, uh, you, you know, about statues, the Ten Commandments being being uh, uh, um, taken off of uh, public property or state property or whatever. You know, all sorts of reasons to not have a cross up. You know, you know, don't dare, don't dare talk about Jesus. You can talk about other religions. You can talk about the heads of other religions and so forth, but don't dare mention Jesus. Okay. So their love for him has gone, gone, gone cold. Okay, you yeah. know. 
I still, yeah, I think I've mentioned this before. I know I've mentioned it before, but I mentioned it again. One of the states where you had the leading body, the leading ruling body, the legislature, they're celebrating because of the fact that they had passed a, a late birth abortion bill, slapping high fives. Okay. Right. Governor of one nation in the country, actually, when they, there was some, some turnaround some, or some mild uh, accomplishment relative to, uh, to coronavirus, that he said God had nothing to do with this. He said this in open TV. If you should have seen his face when he said it, God had nothing to do with this. All right. So, so people want God out of the picture. They want Jesus out of the picture. All right. Is any small wonder that some things are going on in the world? Paul warned Timothy that in the end times, the darkness and deception within people would get darker as they indulge in every self-obsession and lawless desire that they have. Amen. Paul told Timothy to be, be to be aware of this. Let's read it for ourselves. Let's go to Second Timothy. Everything that we need to know about life is laid out in the Word of God, because God knows when everything is going to take place. Jesus Christ, God bless Him. God love Him. We love Him. Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith. So all we need to do is to look to Him. Second Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting with verse number 1. 2 Timothy 3, 1. This know also, that in the last day perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, Without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, despisers of those that are good. Verse 4, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. Verse 5 again. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive, captive, uh, silly women laden with sins and led away with divers lusts. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Amen. Forever learning, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. How much truth is missing out there? How much knowledge of truth is missing? Man is indeed ever, ever, ever learning. Man is indeed in terms of science, technology, increasing in knowledge. I mean, gee whiz, in leaps and bounds. But when it comes down to a fundamental truth, that God is God, that is something they will stand up and fight against. They will deny. They will say, you are crazy for making that statement and believing it. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge of truth. Sadly, saints of God, sadly, these scriptures have characterized much of human history and certainly seems to characterize society today. If you read through those scriptures again, read through verses, what is it, two through, uh, two through five. I mean, there's so much that you can identify with today. You know, you know, for, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection. 
truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than God. Okay, lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God. Okay, we see these things happening, happening right around us today in this modern day society. Okay, now, I want you to please understand this, all right? Not all signs of the end times are negative. Okay, all right? My people perish for lack of knowledge, God says. So we just simply need to have the knowledge of what we're talking about here and what is coming to pass, what is right before us, what are we in the midst in, midst of. Not all things of the end times are negative. All right, let's go to the book of Joel. Joel 2. Joel 2. Not all things of the end times are negative. We go to Joel 2 and we see what the the prophet Joel uh, prophesied. Amen. Joel 2, verse number 28. Joel 2, 28. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also upon the servants and upon the handmaids in those days will I pour out my spirit. Okay. So here he's prophesying what will be happening in those days. And he's saying there that there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay. Okay. Again, not all things, uh, when you start thinking about the end times, are things to be, to, to be feeling down about and, and to be thinking negatively. Amen. Here, Joel said there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we know that that prophecy was fulfilled when the Holy Spirit came and rested on people as they wait, when they waited for him with tongues of fire on the day of Pentecost, shortly after Jesus ascended to heaven. That's the famous uh, scriptures in Acts chapter 2. All right. So we know that what, what Joel prophesied there came to be. We're living in those end times and that Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit was poured out at that particular time. Amen. Amen. You see, you see, prior to that time, the Holy Spirit only came upon men, the prophets, okay, as God willed. Okay. You read in Old Testament, it says, and the Spirit of the Lord was upon me and he starts prophesying, you know, and the Lord said unto me and he starts prophesying. Okay, this was the Holy Spirit being touching specific people at specific times as God directed. After the events of the day of Pentecost in the second chapter of Acts, the Holy Spirit was made available to everyone that believed, that believed. Okay. The key is your belief in Jesus Christ, your acceptance of Jesus Christ. You're being born again. Of the Spirit. Amen. Amen. So we see that throughout history, there have been countless revivals that have been sparked by Holy Spirit. Okay. Even though while we're in this broad end times period, that there has been, that there have been revivals that were sparked by Holy Spirit movements. Okay. Such as the famous one on Azusa Street. The Azusa Street revival in California in, uh, what was that, 1906. Okay. That, that, that revival went on for years. Okay. And there were miracles and healings and all sorts of wondrous things happening. There was a huge outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Look it up on Google it. You'll see that these events actually happened. All right. These Holy Spirit movements have resulted in the preaching of the gospel throughout the whole world, which is also a sign of the end times. All right. Because, because what did the scripture say there? But, but the one who endures to the end will be saved 
And this gospel of the kingdom shall be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. You see? So there's wondrous things happening during this period of time. So what is our responsibility in all of this? We need to be continually making sure that we are keeping our hearts inclined toward the Lord, towards the Lord and his ways, staying obedient to him, that we may be ready whenever he returns. Be ready for whenever he returns. Okay? We can't get complacent. We can't be just laying back. We can't just be looking at, at this thing that's going on around us, this virus, and just saying, oh, well, you know, we'll fumble through somehow, or, or, or you're constantly worried about it and so forth. Okay, okay. Keep focusing on Jesus. Let Holy Spirit guide your thoughts and guide your actions. All right? Okay. Let's go to the book of Matthew here. You know, talking about being watchful. You know, we can't afford to lay, to just, just sit around and just sit back and just, you know, be, go along with the tide, go along with the flow of what others are doing, what others are thinking. Amen. Amen. We can't afford to do that. You know, again, this is a time where, you know, what's happening that gives us time to reflect. You know, most of us are home. Most of us are, are, are on work out of home, you know, telecommuting, teleworking, whatever you want to call it. Most of us are doing that today. So therefore, while you have your work assignment home with you, you also have a lot of in-between time there, you know, where maybe you would normally go out and go to a movie or do something like that. Or, you know, now you have some free time there. Start thinking about, praying about what is really going on here. Okay. God will show you. He'll show you and he'll tell you how to get through your day to day and what thoughts and what prayers you need to offer up, who you need to pray for within your family. Amen. 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 You've heard people on TV probably say, you know, especially the politicians, oh, this virus doesn't know Democrat, doesn't Republican, doesn't know black or white, you know, short or tall or whatever. You know, it's all over. It's going to have to be, you, you know, you, know you, you guess what? You plead the blood of Jesus over your home. You plead the blood of Jesus over yourself. You plead the blood of Jesus over your family. You bind up and you rebuke that spirit of infirmity in the name of Jesus. Holy Spirit will guide you and tell you what to pray for and how to pray on a day-to-day, moment-by-moment basis while you're at home, while you do have to go out, while you have to go out to get those groceries, while you have to go out, while you have to go out to get that toilet paper, you know, and those paper towels and hand sanitizer, while you're growing, going out there and you're, you're running into people, you know, and crossing people and so forth. God will tell you exactly where to step, where to avoid, how to go about doing that. And you plead the precious blood of Jesus from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. My wife and I do that every single time we go out, especially when we go out. Amen. Amen. Please seek the face of God. Take this time that is going on to really connect with God. You've got more free time on your hands now. Talking to a neighbor out there today when we were coming back in. He was outside doing his yard, his grass, and he was just talking about how, boy, this time has given him a chance to take care of his yard and his garden and do things he hasn't had time to do normally if he was going to work. You've got some spare time. Ask the Lord, Lord, what is going on here? Okay, what is going on here? What is going on with me in my life, Lord? What, what, what do I need to change? How are you, you touching me? What is it that you desire from me? What chaff do I need to let go of? Amen? 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 This is our responsibility. You got to be on the alert. Matthew 25, starting with verse number 1. 
Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels within their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom cometh. Go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. The foolish said unto the wise, Give us your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered, the wise answered, saying, Not so, unless there be not enough for us and you. But go you rather to them that sell, and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. They went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. After it came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Wow. Verily I say unto you, I know you not. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Amen. Amen. You don't know the day nor the hour when the Son of Man may return. Okay. All right. So you see here that we need to be prepared. Okay. We, we, we cannot be like those, those foolish virgins talked about here who had no oil for their vessels. Oil, as we know also in Scripture, is referring to as a type of the Holy Spirit. Okay. You need to be prepared with Holy Spirit filled in your life so that you are ready. So that when the Lord comes, he doesn't say to you, you're not the late comer. And you say, when Jesus says to you, verily, I know you're not. Amen. This is our responsibility. We need to be ready during this time. We need to ponder what is going on. We need to, to ask the Lord, where do I fit in this? What do you wish me to do? How do you wish to guide me and the family? None of us knows the day or the hour that Jesus will return, so it's our job to be ready for him at all times. God will deliver us from this virus. God will, will, will deliver us from this virus. But in the meantime, we must stay vigilant and pray. As I said, plead the blood of Jesus over ourselves, our loved ones, and our homes. This thing is spiritual, saints. This thing is spiritual. And we'll be defeated by the Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. The Word of God says, not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. Amen? Amen. Think it's spiritual. This is going to be defeated by God. So we need to pray in the spirit. Amen. Jesus is the answer. If you have not given your life to Christ, now is the time. Now is the time. God desires that all people will come to repentance. 2 Peter 3, verse number 9, before he returns. He desires that all people come to know Jesus and repent before Jesus returns. Redemption from sin comes only through Jesus Christ. Romans 3, 24. Believe in him and you will receive salvation and everlasting life. Amen. You can read that in Acts 16, 31. Now is the time. Now, saints of God, don't put it off any longer. If you don't know Jesus, if you right now don't know Jesus, listening to this message, if you don't know Jesus, 
and you want Jesus in your life now, don't put it off any longer. We're never promised tomorrow. You never know what's going to be tomorrow. If you don't know Jesus, as you're listening to this message, you realize you do not know Jesus and you want Jesus in your life right now. Or if you want to renew your commitment to Jesus, maybe you got a little bit, you know, lazy. Maybe you kind of drifted away a little bit, you know, even though Jesus didn't drift away from you. But maybe you you, you, you kind of, you know, got a little loosey-goosey there and you're not as committed as you used to be. If you want to renew your commitment to Jesus, you can simply repeat this prayer, too, after me. Okay, because in accordance with Romans 10, 9 and 10, it says that if you declare with your faith, with your mouth, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead again in that scripture. And if you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All right. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Amen. Amen. So if you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, you want to, to, to give yourself to him today as you're listening here. Or if you want to renew your commitment and you want Jesus right now, then simply pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I know I am a sinner and have tried to run my life on my own. But I have not succeeded. I believe and know that you are the Son of God. I believe and know that you died and was resurrected for me so that I can have eternal life. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. And submit my life to you. Come into my heart. Now Lord Jesus. Come into my heart. I cannot live life without you. I submit my life to you. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. I totally surrender. And give my life to you. Come into my heart. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Praise God. If you prayed that prayer, you're now a child of God. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Believe it. Believe it. Believe it. Act on it. Pray on it. Seek the Lord and rejoice in the fact that you are now, you have now been adopted into the Lord's family, into God's family, into the family of God. Let the things of the past not be looked upon any further, but look with joyful expectation to what God is going to do in your life. Praise him and bless him. Seek his face at all times. And I promise you that in accordance with his word, you shall hear his voice. Praise God. Praise God. Before we close, let us pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you so much, O oh Lord God, for this time that we've had with you, Lord. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for these words from you today. And we pray, O oh Lord God, that as we 
close this service and go about our business the rest of the day and the week ahead of us, O Lord, that we shall remember these words, that we shall keep these words deeply, deeply rooted within our spirits, that these words cannot be stolen away. If the evil one tries to raise his head in our lives, O Lord, over the next few days or the rest of this day, Lord God, we just praise you and thank you. You are an awesome and a wonderful God. You know our hearts. You know our fears. You know our desires. We thank you, Lord God, for speaking to us in your own special way. Oh, Lord God, we love you and we bless you and we praise you in the name of Jesus. I pray that you all go from wherever you are knowing that the joy of the Lord is indeed your strength and that you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you. Go forth this day and be blessed. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen, amen, and amen.